Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome in. Hoist the colors on this Friday, February 9th. It is the last football Friday of the season. Although we still have the draft for agency coming up, so there are still things that will be football related coming up. But it's a sad day. It is a bittersweet day because we have the Super Bowl coming up Sunday. We will talk Super Bowl 58. Chiefs, Niners, prop bets, and more. Joey Football is in studio. Philip Pilkington behind the glass. Gentlemen, I told you before the show, you can get free <laughs> lunch if you have a good show today. Hey, so I, I've been working for my keep my entire life. This is no different. We will rise to the occasion, and we will put our best foot forward. Philip, what do you think qualifies as a good show? Do you think y'all can get it done today? I think it's one that the uh, listeners are at least once yelling at their radio mad at us. That's that's a good show because that makes good radio and the well, listeners we're have are ticked off. Then. We are always going to have a good show. <laughs> that's the, the, uh, the definition. We are live on YouTube and Facebook. If you've got a question, comments, an inquiry, drop it there and we will get to it throughout the next hour. We're going to start in segment one with some East Carolina talk. We have comments to play from Mike Schwartz here shortly. We'll get to that. But, gentlemen, there's a lot going on now with the spring sports, and I didn't even realize. I knew the lacrosse was close, women's lacrosse, but they start tomorrow, right, Philip? Yeah. Yep, they're playing Queens, and it was a really good game last year. Queens at the Division Two ranks was always a contender for the national championship. We went down there last year, scored a goal with, I think, just under two minutes to go to take the lead and then put the icing on the cake with about 40 seconds left. So should be another good one tomorrow inside uh, Johnston, Johnson Stadium. Will you be there? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pop over there for a little bit. It is the beginning of the Brittany Dipper era. Ooh, she is the new head Brittany coach. Dipper, Dipper is here. Um, we'll see if it's the Big Dipper or the Little Dipper. We'll find out as the season goes. You've along. been waiting all week <laughs> for that one. Uh, all right, ECU softball guys, two and zero. They have already won a game this morning before we even took the air. They beat St. Joe's 8-0. to zero. They beat Charleston Southern, what was last night, 11-1? to one? Yeah, 11-1. So they are combined 19-1 to one plus 18 run differential through two games. Joe, they're getting it done. Winkler's 401st win also that as is head true. coach. The Pirates uh, will play again today. They're in the Charleston tournament down in Charleston, South Carolina. So off to a good start. 11 hits today. No doubles, but they did hit, or excuse me, no homers. They did hit two doubles and uh, four free passes. Strong pitcher performance from Addie Bullis, who improves to 1-0. 97 pitches, so getting a lot of the Sheesh. a lot of the arm <laughs> action going early on in the season. If you're on our video feed, you can see what I was doing there. So uh, East Carolina softball, 2-0. and and really excited about ECU baseball. Of course, we are one week away from ECU one. baseball. Cliff ball, Joe. Cliff ball. Are you ready? Lift heavy, bunt small. That's the cliff motto. Lift heavy, bunt small. I've never heard that before, but I like that. Yeah. So it's all that, about it. Is that what they go around campus saying? No, absolutely not. It's what I say to them. And then usually they're like, oh. And then they show me their rings. And then that usually ends the conversation pretty quickly. Because I have two to their nine. Okay. So, yeah, just kind of a little scoreboard moment for them there. But 
They bunt. I swing for the fences. That's the difference. 56 games, Joe, for UC baseball this year. What do you think their record will be? Putting you on the spot here. We didn't, mm. we didn't rehearse this at all. No. 56? 56 games total. Uh, 40 wins is generally considered a very good season. Yeah, I, I want to say around 36 wins. That's it? Some 36, 37 wins, yeah. Okay. Because you're, you're going to have some instances you drop in midweek. You're going to be on the bus. You're going to get a little tired. You're going to go up or go down as far as the coast goes because you're on the bus. You're not flying out midweeks. You're going to run into some fatigue there. You're going to have one of those midweeks where then you fly out of from there because you're going to go to a weekend series like what happened in Wichita last year. You can't envision 40 wins. You'll luck into 40 wins as far as some baseball scenarios here and there. You'll get a pass ball that gives you a win that you weren't expecting on a walk-off. But you, you got to aim for like 35, 36. And I think that's what Cliff's preaching to him. The other five will come. So you're aiming low and then I'm I'm at like 36, 37 now. Okay. Pirates, we uh we'll have we'll have more baseball talk next week, Thursday, Friday. We'll get uh we'll have a little pregame show next Friday. How about go. that? Heading into first pitch. All right. We're gonna play the Mike Schwartz Audio Talk Basketball here in a minute, but I wanna get Joe's take. He's a former quality walk on uh, <laughs> on the ECU football team. That's what I go says. I put up a article. ECU has picked up twelve or thirteen preferred walk on commitments. A lot of local talent. Alex Moy out of Farmville Central. You can check out the full list, hoistcolors.net. Three guys from Jacksonville High School in Eastern North Carolina, Miles Parker, a defensive end. Kind of reminds me of Joe coming out, you know, Claudia Walk-On. Uh, a kicker, Brent Glover, and uh, Damari Gant, running back. And then a lot of specialists as well, a couple other in-state receivers. All right, take me through the process. Mm-hmm. Obviously, everybody wants to get a scholarship, but sometimes yeah. that doesn't happen. And especially no. now with the portal, like the classes are smaller than ever. So what was your walk-on recruitment process like in – what, what what's kind of going through these guys' head right now? So before you even get to this point of, oh, talking to a conversation with Houston or, oh, I'm going to have these big aspirations to come play, you're sitting there at home. And for me, Coach DeWitt had come to my school. He kind of pulled me out of class and told my head coach he wanted to talk to me. I left math. I hate math. I still hate math. And we had a conversation. He was like, yeah, I can't promise you anything. We're going to have some cold walk-on weekend. You'll come up. Spend two days with us. You'll we'll talk some ball, get to know you, have a good feel for you and, and what you value and those things like that. And we can't promise anything, but that's the opportunity we're presenting. We're full up on scholarships, so we have nothing left to offer. You can come as a PWO and earn your way in. I had canceled my official visit to Concord that was supposed to happen that weekend as well. I'd informed the coaches. I was like, I have to take this up. And if you guys truly want me there and nothing comes out of it, I'd still love to be a part of Concord and The story goes a little differently, obviously, but we get to ECU and you're in a room with a bunch of other players. You signed all your names. You're declaring what your major would be. You're giving them all the information because the walk-ons are also the academic burden of trying to keep the team GPA up and and trying to keep them in a positive light because you're now the representation of the program outside of the scholarship guys because you're trying to bring something to the program. So you're bringing in GPA as well as... Yeah, bringing in... Not my high school GPA. My college GPA was great. (laughs) Dean's List. So you split up offensive for defensive, and I remember vividly, Coach Trot just started writing some stuff off on the board from some old NFL packages, and he'd be like, okay, it's third and fourth here. What are you expecting? He'd be like, inside run to the left based on the formation. And just overall, like, football knowledge, trying to get a feel for what you know, what you don't know, personnel sets. But I'll never forget, Coach Trot was like, okay, 
offense just threw a pick. We're coming out in cover two set. What are you expecting if you're the corner? And I was like, are you expecting a double move on the outside because you're going to try and take a shot? And he was like, nobody else had an answer in that room. And at one point, I got told to stop talking. And as you can see, I never stopped talking as I'm still here. I never imagined that. Yeah, me, quiet, no. So you go through that, and then I talked to Houston a little bit. He was like, we'll be in touch. So I think it was February 20, or not February, January 26th, I get a text from Coach Thweet, and it says, pending your acceptance, we're offering you a roster spot at East Carolina. 27th, I got in. So I committed the 27th in theory on Twitter and then signed a promised roster position. You don't sign an NLI if you're a quality walk-on like myself on February 6th with everybody else on signing. But day. everybody acts like they're signing. Yeah, everybody else acts NIL. like they're signing. I mean, I took the pictures and everything. I had the little speech set up and had the little quarter zip on like everybody else in America. But you're not signing an NLI. You're signing a promised roster position. You're a recruited roster position as a walk-on. So the way they described it was scholarship player without the scholarship. And so you played four years at ECU as a walk-on. I did. What was the toughest part about, like, first entering the program as a walk-on? Like, were you getting oh. beat beat down pretty good in practice? Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> practice is its own fight. Before we even set foot on the practice field, Coach Big John separated the walk-ons from the scholarship kids in the weight room. And it was just normal freshman uh, trying to see what you're made of and, and testing it. But they split the walk-ons and the scholarship kids because they're like, Coach Houston's made an investment in the scholarship guys already. You guys are the filler. We don't even know if one of you is going to make it out of this class, never mind if multiple of you and blah, blah, blah. And I think we kept eight or nine from that walk-on class that went through the full four years. John, A lot of guys yeah. get weeded out quick. Yeah, we had two or I've three noticed. guys who quit that day. One guy quit after camp. We had beat William and Mary, went up to Coach Houston and Coach Shank, and quit on the spot after a win. Are you willing to say the individual's name? No. Um, but that's because they were <laughs> off other, the air? Off the air, I'll okay. tell you 100%. There were issues outside of the program that led to his departure as well. But there are so many different stories of walk ons. I mean, Tyler Schneed's the one that's obvious. Macy O'Donnell got put on scholarship. Dre Terry got put on scholarship. All these guys that contribute that came in as walk ons. Elijah Morris, Big E. I'll never forget, He. this is a funny story. I don't know if he told it with you on the air. Uh, he's sitting in his locker. We're getting ready to play. I don't remember what the opening game was that year. We're getting ready to play. He's on the phone with his dad. And his dad's like, all right, like, he, like uh, keep doing you, do what you do. And he's like, Dad, uh, I think I'm starting this week. And he was like, wait, what? And he was like, yeah, I don't know. But like, I think I'm starting. Coach Tesh has me going with the ones. And we're all sitting around like waiting to go to meetings. And the the emotion that came over his face and just like the real genuine person he is, he was just like smiling ear to ear. So it's it's a big thing for walk-ons to get their chance and to get an opportunity. I, I got my my one field goal, my one letter as I needed. So everybody else, I got a letterman and you don't. So yes, I am qualified to talk about this. I'm a quality walk-on. It's the great Stephen Agos informed me. So it's a it's a very different process. Quality walk-on. I mean, normal walk-ons don't make it four years. Quality walk-ons make it four years. A lot of quality walk-ons in that class. And uh, Elijah Morris, yeah. I mean, he was starting by, like, game two or three, which is insane. Yeah. So, he, I mean, that's just a rare story. He just kept finding ways to, like, get in. And we'd be in practice. He wasn't supposed to rotate in yet. He'd be like, hey, I'll give you a blow. I'll give you a blow. And just, like, finding a way. And Tush would be like, how does he back in? Like, we didn't rotate yet. And he's like, oh, what's his face? He needed a breather or something. So, he just, like, found a way to just keep getting rep after rep and making the most of it. So check out that full walk-on list, preferred walk-ons on hoistedcolors.net, and we may discuss that a little more in the coming weeks or whatnot. 
right, let's switch gears to basketball. Great stuff, Joe. And oh, thanks. Pirates. Quality conversation from quality, quality conversation, walk-on. quality walk on. Um, Pirates at UTSA tomorrow, 4 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock Central. They're flying out this afternoon. They will charter to San Antonio. Chance to get back in the win column, 11 and 12, 4 and 6 in the American. UTSA is 8 and 15, 2 and 8. They're averaging like 80 points a game. They're also giving up 80. Teams are shooting 38% from three point range against UTSA. ECU is shooting in conference play, 27% from three point range. Something's got to give, Joe. Have we had a player shoot 38% yet? In like a in game? conference? Uh, in conference. Uh, I'm sure. Bra- I think Brandon Johnson and RJ had good games at Temple. That was the one good three point shooting game. He yeah. You got to hope this is a catalyst or something. Something has to give because, I, I yeah, mean, it's just. They're, I, they're giving up points at will. ECU yeah, can't score. I respect us taking 35 shots a game because if you don't take 35 shots a game, you don't make 35 shots. I understand it. But we got to score, man. I mean, you're looking at a team that is just letting up points. This is your opportunity to get the guys going and find a role, see what works, see what doesn't work in the offensive set. You've come off a week. You have so many different things to draw up and practice. Now's the time to just throw everything in a wall and see what sticks before you go to conference. All right, so ECU is averaging, guys, 61 points per game in conference play. UTSA is giving up 80 points per game. I don't know what the conference numbers are, but they're probably even higher. Over, under, 70 points for ECU basketball tomorrow. Phillip, we'll start with you. I'm going over. What do you think, Joe? (laughs) I'm going to take the over. Uh, I think think you've had a week off. Guys are fresh. I think – yeah, I think it's the over. Okay. What are you taking, Steven Igo of Hoist Colors? I'm taking the – I guess I'm taking the over. This team has scored more than 70 points one time in regulation and conference play. That was at Temple. Yeah. They're so due. Low road cooking. They're due. And uh, cooking the road runners. Cooking the road runners. All right, we caught up with Coach Schwartz earlier today after practice before they left for San Antonio. We're going to play that for you right now. Here's how that sounded earlier on Friday been a good week off came at the right time and we know we got a real test for us on this road trip headed to san antonio coaches do you feel like the guys benefited from it and then you guys as coaches what were y'all able to accomplish this week yeah i think they definitely benefited from they needed mentally physically i mean it's been a long stretch we didn't have a bye in the first uh, half of conference play so i think it came at the right time biggest things are number one is academically they get a chance you know you're home we had had two stretches of three games in six days uh, which is difficult and what happens is you lose practice time academics obviously are stressed because you're traveling and things like that so I think they got a chance to catch up there and then as much as anything just physically their bodies were banged up team right now a little bit and we were going into the Charlotte game and suffered a couple bang ups in that game too and obviously didn't have Val and so all of that, obviously, this comes at the right time. And then mentally, I think we all know just the mental edge and, and the part when you get some time to get back in the gym, practice, shoot, do things like that. So I think that was beneficial from a coaching standpoint. We did a lot of recruiting early in the week. Our staff was out and doing a lot of that. And then the preparation started pretty quickly back on Tuesday right away for, for UTSA all week, like a normal week. UTSA scores a lot, maybe better than their score uh, record indicates. How do you slow them down? Yeah, that's a great question. They, they do score. They score well as anybody in the league, 80 points a game, make 10 threes a game, have four or five guys basically in double figures. So that's a real challenge for us. They play fast in transition. They make a lot of threes. They shoot a lot of threes. They rebound the ball as well as anybody. So on their home court, that's going to be a real test for us. Obviously, our transition defense, and we have to guard the three-point line. That's a big piece of hopefully being able to slow that down because they are a dynamic offensive team. 
Saw Quentin get a couple minutes in Charlotte. How is he progressing as far as playing a full workload coming up with the week off? Yeah, he's been uh, he's been in and out, to be honest with you. Um, so I, I don't have a great answer there. He, he played in that game. He came back practiced. He kind of was in and out of practice all week. Uh, so that's going to be up to him and his ability to see where he is, how he feels. Uh, he's ready to go. I mean, he is capable in terms of obviously he played in the game Charlotte and where he is and where his mind is and where his body is physically to feel like he can play and what he can do, that's going to be in, in, in his hands. How has uh, Brandon Johnson looked speaking of practice? He got banged up on Saturday versus uh, Charlotte. Yeah, he did. He got a pretty good uh, bang in that game, and that's why his minutes were down. I don't know if a lot of people realize that at the time, but that's the only reason he played in the 20s that game, 20-whatever minutes it was, and that hurt us. Uh, we had to try and play five guards as we were trying to navigate that, plus Ezra's foul trouble. Uh, but that all being said, he uh, missed the first couple days of the week, uh, but he's back and he's good. And then Val, I guess we're asking about every player that's injured, but just that time of year, I guess, how is Val? Yeah, uh, Val had to have surgery uh, from what happened, uh, and so he uh, will be out this week, and we miss him. Uh, we did. He's, he really was coming along and bringing so much to this team, intangible-wise, uh, connectivity-wise on offense and defense. Uh, so it's a gut punch a little bit, to be quite honest, because I really love what Val's doing for this team, but we won't have him, but he'll be back, but just the way the – Medical scenario works is is that he uh, he won't be available this game. How do you you know as far as uh, challenging guys having to step up with guys banged up like how do you kind of go about that as a coaching staff? Is that time of year where you got to get guys to step up? Yeah, it's a great point, Steve. Um, a lot of meetings, a lot of film, a lot of extra time in the gym with them individually, which we do a lot anyways, but. I mean, that's what it is, you know. I mean, you're not going to go to having three-hour practices all of a sudden and do things like that. But when you talk about uh, Caleb, Ben Sal, Logan, uh, Cal, Sear, guys like that, that minutes have been limited, there's no doubt about it that their reps in practice have gone up because of some of the injuries and guys sitting out. And then how much time are they coming in and putting extra in the evenings, in the mornings, in between class. And our guys are doing a real good job of that. And, you know, you hope eventually that that carries over to the game. But there's no doubt that will be the case this week. There will have to be guys that step up and play because some of the guys that are out. What approach are you guys looking to use since you haven't played UTSA in this conference yet? Yeah, uh, you know, you just go through scouting, and that is the unique thing in any league, that it's not a true round robin where you play everybody twice. We've already played Temple twice and haven't played UTSA, and I've been a part of that before. So you just approach it. We take the same game plan. The one difference this week is we didn't have a game midweek, so we get a chance to prep maybe a little bit longer. We have faced it twice this year already where a team didn't play us didn't have a game, excuse me. We were coming off of a quick game, and they had a week to prepare. So you hope that that gives you something in terms of the guy's mental mindset going into the game. But you just approach it like a normal conference game, first-time playing team. How much do you get at all times to kind of watch the rest of the conference, maybe more so this week, because there's been some crazy games, some yeah, fun games. How much do you enjoy going the conference? I, I love this conference. This conference is a great basketball conference. From the very first game of the year, our game that we tipped off American Conference play versus FAU, the game went down to the last four minutes of the game, to last night's FAU-UAB game, and everything between overtime games that we've been a part of, buzzer beaters, late comebacks, you look at the South Florida Charlotte game the other night. I mean, this is an electric basketball conference. It's got great parity, it's got great competition, great coaches, and great athletes. And so I'll be honest with you, whether we have a bye week or you don't, I sit there and I watch our practice or our games and up on the TV if there's an American Conference game I got it on and watching it and but that's what that's why you love college basketball. Anything else?
All right, there it is. Michael Schwartz earlier today. Again, UTSA, ECU tipping things off 4 o'clock Eastern. That'll be an ESPNU broadcast. You can also hear the game, 94.3 the game, right here on uh, your radio dials tomorrow. ECU Sports Network, 94.3 The Game, also 107.9. Jack Dover says, I go, are you going to any of the UNC ECU baseball games? Of course, Jack. Are y'all going to any of the ECU UNC baseball games? Going going to is a a strong question. It'll be at Chapel Hill on Friday, Fayetteville, Greenville on Sunday. What's probably going to wind up happening is I'll produce the Fayetteville game. I'll wind up at Sounds like a bunch of excuses. Okay, well, then at least you're going to one. Yeah, so like some of us do their job, I go. Taking time off, doing it from home. (laughs) I do my job from the stadium. (laughs) Philip. Um, I already you, promised. Are y'all all going to be producing no, together? Well, I'll produce Sunday. I, I already promised that they could go to the game Sunday because I've been to so many ECU, UNC games, both home and away. Uh, I will not be going to the one at the Bosch because I have to PA softball that day, so I might be able to work out the one in Fayetteville. Yeah, so, he's he's PAing softball, so I think I'm producing that Saturday or something. Is how it was. Friday. Okay, third Friday. We, we, we've got we we just figured out this past this coming yeah, up weekend, which is left. crazy with. Two basketball games and all the baseball. We have not even attacked the Carolina no. week yet. We've got so much going on. Shout out Coach Forbes, though. Keaton Forbes, grandfather, former ECU long snapper. For a year. Yeah. He also was a quality walk-on until he left. All right, let's get he out of here. He left to run a business. Let's Sorry. get out of here. <laughs> John Moody says, how is Jack's brother Ben doing? Jack Dover, Ben Dover. Good try, John. Uh, Case and Romaley, we've got to get a break in. He says, uh, we will get our first road win there in Chapel Throw. That is incorrect, Case. And ECU will get its first road win at Campbell on the Tuesday following opening weekend series. And then they will also win at Chapel Hill. How about that? It's improved to 5-0. and All right, let's get a break in. We'll come back. We'll switch gears. We'll talk Super Bowl. And we will do that. Then we're going to talk some prop bets as well before we get out of here. On, on this uh, Friday edition of Hoist the Colors. We'll be right back. Everything you need to know in the world of ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Welcome back to Hoist the Colors. We had a long first segment, ECU related. We touched on all the sports. It was a lot of fun. But now we're going to shift gears. We're going to talk Super Bowl 58. We've got Chiefs. We've got 49ers. We've got the ugliest shirt possible next to me. Yep. Joe Sampson has made a wardrobe change. It says Chiefs football. It's bright red, the ugliest sport or the ugliest color. Yep. Excuse me, in all of sports. Uh, if it was black and silver and Raiders, you'd hate it more, don't lie. I don't know. Chiefs. I mean, I Late, always, lately it's got to be the Chiefs. They true. have one win in like. That's true. He didn't grow up in the Raiders' heyday like everybody else. I know that's I'm a kind of wearing fan. black and He's silver young. now to an extent with the twenty four seven sports logo. You can't really see it. But Rich Gannon used to torture me as a youngster with the Raiders as a quarterback. But now it's Pat Mahomes. Explain yourself, son. Why are you wearing the Chiefs shirt? Because the Chiefs is still the Chiefs. They are the team that has answered the call in every single aspect. Every storyline all season has been the Chiefs aren't the Chiefs of old. Oh, they don't have Tyreek Hill. Kelsey's looking old. Chris Jones didn't play that first game. Are they going to get exposed after losing to the Lions? How good are the Lions going to be? They wound up pretty okay, by the way. This is a different team than any other year. This is a team that had adversity in front of it. This is a team that you were looking at going, I don't know if they're going to win on the road. They did. I don't know if they can reinvent themselves. They did. 
Oh, but the Ravens run the football more than anybody in the league. They didn't. The Chiefs are still the Chiefs. And the entire league still runs through Kansas City. So, Joe, I do have a question for you from yeah. more of a player standpoint. Absolutely. Um, this past June, Norma Hunt, who was the wife of Lamar Hunt, who founded the Chiefs and founded the AFL, passed away. Mm-hmm. She was the only woman to attend all 57 Super Bowls. Yes. Obviously, she will not be at this one. For the family, for Clark, her son, who owns the team now, that's obviously extra motivation. Do you think that's any extra motivation for the players or are they so out of tune with the ownership because they deal with the general manager and the coach or do you think that's being talked about at all in the locker room just because I mean not only like I said was she their you know owner but Mm -hmm. only woman to attend all 57 Super Bowls won't be at this one and the team's a part of it I don't think it's necessarily a storyline that you're bringing up as far as the coach goes and okay guys we got to win this one for normal but it's definitely talked about Patrick Mahomes actually had two or three comments about it this is the first one without her. They're holding up the Hunt Trophy in the AFC title game, which obviously is named after him. It's a difficult conversation to have as a coach and, and trying to put yourself in those situations just because of what she meant. But they're very in touch from what Terrence Copper used to tell us when he was in that organization. The Hunts are always around, and they're always talking, whether it's the coaches, the players. The relationship's very different from some of the other organizations that you've heard of, of the Dave Teppers and Jerry Jones of the world, where it seems like they're so far removed from everything that they're just signing a check. Uh, I do think it's definitely a aspect. It's been brought up that this is one they're going to win for. This is the first one without her, so they'd like to keep her there, even though she's not attending. This is the first Super Bowl she won't have been at. But I don't necessarily know if it's a storyline where they're, guys, win this one for normal. You're so concerned about the big game before anything else that you try and block out all outside distractions. All right, guys. Two days away. Excitement meter. <sighs> Zero to ten. Where are you guys at as just football fans heading into the Super Bowl? 58. Seriously? Yeah. You're that excited for cheese Niners? I, I live for football. I go. I have you been live itching. For football. So what are you because do? you banned me from talking about the Pro Bowl. That was the only. Oh, did you enjoy that game? Absolutely. That... That's the most fun All Star game I've seen in like the last five years of any major sport besides the NHL. Basketball and sucks. Freaking the MLB All Star game sucks. The NHL they finally fixed it by putting it three on three because it's fast. It's fun. Yeah, the MLB All Star Game is a million times better. The MLB All Star Game sucks. The MLB All Star Game is a million times better than the Pro Bowl. Nobody Thank wants you. to watch Gregory Soto throw nine pitches in an inning and then they hand him an All Star Game MVP. Who was the one last year? The Colorado Rockies catcher. Who? Shohei Otani is still out here playing baseball week in and week out, and we're handing the All Star Game MVP to some guy who hit a single to score an RBI. I'm not worried about the MVP. It's still a good game. You're it's, watching it's an, an ace against game. the 300 hitter every every. What is the They're not throwing. I'm not sitting here watching actual baseball. It feels like it's an exhibition. They're I get more competitiveness out of That's spring crap. training. That's crap. No, it's not. The only one where you sit is the first inning when you see like the judges of the world, the Otanis, the Mookie Betts, the true superstars who like are actually trying. When so we get you, to the seventh inning and we sub in Whit Merrifield going against somebody else like Gregory Soto so or get, Eduardo Rodriguez. You get competitiveness from a Pro Bowl? I get competitiveness from watching guys actually try something. Out there in flag football, you think they're trying? Did you see the events? They're no. doing tug of war. They're doing gauntlets. They're pulling trucks. 
You got what, Payne and Eli in a pissing contest trying to just get one another off of their own pedestal because Peyton Manning thinks his farts don't stink or something because he won a Super Bowl for you guys in orange. He did. And Eli Manning clawed and fought his way through the dang <laughs> Patriots. But we're going to hold Peyton up on a pedestal. Eli's 2-0 against him. Peyton is times better. But Anyways, that's, that's uh, neither here nor 58 there. 58 on your meter. Yeah, 58 Why? for the Super Bowl. Super Bowl Why? 58. You just love football that much. I love football that much. It's the culmination of all the weeks of everything. Yeah, people want to look at it and look at the storylines and the glamour and the glitz. It's it's the last game of the year. This is what every team in training camp in August signs up for. This is the last football Friday. This is the last football Friday. But is it? It's the last one of this NFL season. Because once fair. we do the it again, league the, league year begins. Begins. the new league year <laughs> March begins next whatever, Friday. Yeah, We're yeah. on to Cincinnati, no, as Bill Belichick used to say. Year, but. This is what you've worked so hard for. You don't care about what week one was. You don't care about what week 13 was. It's this week. Nobody's going to say you guys went 13-4 and four going into this before you got to the playoffs. Nobody cares you were the one seed. Nobody cares you're the three seed. Who won this game? This is the ultimate team game. It's the ultimate team game to play, and it's the ultimate team game to watch. All right, Philip. I don't know how you're gonna follow that, but what? Is, I love football. What is your uh, zero to ten scale? Cry like Dan it, Campbell. Throughout the week, it's been lower than normal, but now that we're here, it's the last business day. I'm up to a ten. Been watching old Super Bowls all week, old footage of old games, classic ones. I always get pumped up. Like I said, I, I do believe this is the greatest spectacle in our, on in sports. I believe that the day after should be a federal holiday and nobody should have to go to work and be up early. Um, I love it. I'm excited. I know that maybe these aren't the sexiest storyline teams from like true fans like us standpoint because we've seen the Chiefs so many times and the Niners just kind of seems like to be the same thing. But, bro, I'm definitely pulling for McCaffrey to win it. I'd love to see him get one. But um, the greatest best school in sports is 48 hours away, and I'm pumped up for it. And it's, it's definitely a 10 out of 10 Overall, but as far as Super Bowls go, it's like a seven out of ten. So, yeah, that's kind of weird. But uh, well, y'all are a lot more excited than I am. Maybe, I'll, maybe I just maybe I've just been burnt out on sports <laughs> after this ECU football season and ECU basketball start. And maybe I'm just ready for baseball. I've started to get more major league baseball, baseball mood and uh, ECU baseball mood. You say 58. I'm gonna go 5.8 is my my excitement meter. The other factor is too. Poo. I uh, I just spent ninety five dollars on wings for Sunday on a pre order, so like I'm excited, but I'm also hosting a Super Bowl party every year, which kind of stresses me out. And we've got like thirty people coming. By the way, you are invited. I was about to say that's crazy. Uh, <laughs> that's insane. late invite. Y'all can late, come, but that's a pity invite. Just know that it's going to be all kids and couples, so <laughs> it'll be a good form of birth control. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> uh, I, I have already. I appreciate the invite. I've already committed to go to a different party. But it's not. You. It's never too late to decommit or flip. I know. I've been there the last seven years, okay. though. They it's have like tradition. Whole cases now in the NCAA about flipping your commitment. <laughs> they do. They do. All right. So I'm at a five point eight. Let's make our game picks. We'll come back. We'll do uh, prop bets after this. All right. I want to guess that Joe is going to go with the Chiefs. So why? It's a pretty safe bet. Because the Chiefs is the Chiefs. The Chiefs is still the Chiefs is one thing. The 49ers have yet to show me they can do anything besides lead a game. Last week, everybody's going to write off Dan Campbell handing them the game back and how the 49ers were able to capitalize on the mistakes of the Lions. The 49ers looked absolutely terrible up until the fourth quarter. I never once felt like the 49ers were in control of the offense and control of the defense, understood what the offensive sets look like for the Lions. I can't sit here and think that Spagnola or Andy Reid are going to have any issues with the 49ers. 
Yeah, Debo Samuel's a great playmaker on the outside, but handle Tyreek Hill. Oh, dynamic quarterback like Brock Purdy who can move around a little bit. Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen were both boxed in. This is a team that reinvents itself week in and week out. And yeah, I'm drinking the Chiefs Kool-Aid. It's red. It's what the Gatorade color is going to be too. We'll get to that later. When you look at football, the way it's supposed to be played, this team is everything it's supposed to have. It has a bunch of guys who are playing above what other people consider to be the normal of the league. The PFF people and the analytics and the formulas that tell you football isn't football are lies. Chris Jones is the best tackle in the AFC right now besides Quinn and Williams. Yeah, that's right. I snuck that in. Fred Warner's a great linebacker, but he can't play in space when it comes to running those quick screens with any of those players that Travis Kelsey can get to, or you can get the ball to Pacheco out of the backfield. I don't see the 49ers able to play in the same realm as the Chiefs after they get going, which is why first quarter is going to be dead. It's going to be like a 3-3 gridlock. And in the second quarter, we're going to see an offensive explosion. Because teams will play the chess you match. You see sometimes in the Super Bowl. Yeah, you'll, the chess match. You're going to see how it plays out, how it unfolds. Chiefs were down at half last year against the Eagles. It was never in doubt that the Chiefs weren't going to come back and find a way to do things to get to the point of winning the game. And that's what it's going to be again this year. Chiefs might be down like 6-3, 9-6, one of those field goal trade-offs because it's a chess match in that first quarter. You're trying to see what works, what doesn't work, especially against a team that you have some familiarity with, but Steve Wilkes is a very different coordinator from what Robert Sala was. The Chiefs are going to find a way to get offensive production and explode in the second, through the third, and the fourth. Give me the Chiefs. Phil. Um. Yeah, should have not let him go first. <laughs> back that up. Um, Sorry, guys. No, it's it's it comes down to look at the beginning of the football. year. I, I I did pick the Niners. I think one to fifty three, they're the best roster in the NFL. I've thought it since day one. Mm-hmm. I believe it now. However, quarterback is a little more important position, and as much as I believe that. Some people are calling Purdy a game manager, which I think is idiotic. Some people are calling him the next Tom Brady, which is also idiotic. I think he's a darn good quarterback. I think he's right in the middle. Um, Mahomes is different. Mahomes kind of, and we talked about with Terrence earlier on the PJ show, like he is kind of the next Tom Brady. It's like you can't bet against Tom Brady. It's hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes unless he's playing Tom Brady because, you know, 31 to 9, but um, that's besides the point. Yeah, I just, the Chiefs all year, or all regular season, gave us a reason not to pick them. They won, they lost games they had no business losing. They had games they were in that they, the opponent had no business being in. And here come the playoffs, and they look just as good as insert great team here 85 Bears, 72 Dolphins. They're that dominant. They've done it to Joe's point against different styles of teams in Buffalo and Miami and Baltimore. They are the best at finding ways to win. Yes, San Francisco might be the most talented roster, but the Chiefs are the best at finding ways to win. And at the end of the day, it's about who wins the game. So. The 49ers will be up 24-21, have to settle for a field goal, not put the game away, and Patrick Mahomes will take the Chiefs 75 yards, hit Travis Kelsey. We will see way too much Taylor Swift on the screen during that drive because every time they throw the ball to Ayuk, they're still going to show her like, yay, they got a first down. And Travis Kelsey will score the game-winning touchdown. Chiefs 28, 49ers 27. I go. Two Chiefs, and I'll be honest, I don't know who I'm going to pick as I sit here right now. I do think the Niners, 
I like teams going into the Super Bowl that have not played their best game yet. And the Niners, at least like in the playoffs, and the, the Niners clearly have not. And teams that go in playing their best football often hit this lull and then struggle. But Pat Mahomes is a different breed. As you say, the Chiefs always find a way to win until Sunday, until Super Bowl 58. The Niners are due. Brock Purdy has heard all this talk about game manager. The 49ers have heard all this talk about Pat Mahomes. The Chiefs have been getting by by the skin of their teeth. It comes to an end on Sunday in Vegas. Niners win by a touchdown and get it done. First Super Bowl win since, what, 95? Uh, 94 season, so yeah, January of 95. Super Bowl 29. 29 years ago. That's crazy. And these guys went to, in the first 29 Super Bowls, they won five. Here we are, 29 Super Bowls later. They haven't won one. They were the first team to five. Beat the Cowboys by a year. Beat the uh, Steelers by a little over a decade. Mm-hmm. They, haven't, they haven't won one since. They've been to two. They haven't won one. They are due. Kyle Shanahan is going to outcoach Steve Spagnola okay. All right. on Sunday, and All that right. will be the difference in the game. He will out-scheme them. Give me the Niners. All right, let's get a break in. We'll come back. We'll talk prop bets. We will not talk Pro Bowl after this. This is Hoist the Colors on a Friday. We're live with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Hoist the Johnny Roger! Now, back to Hoist the Colors. All right, welcome back in Hoist the Colors. Alex Marion on YouTube says, as someone that went to high school with Whit Merrifield, that shot hurt. Joe took a shot at the MLB All-Star game and Whit Merrifield earlier. Unnecessarily. Whit's a great second baseman. He deserved to be an All-Star last year. I was just pointing out the star power as far as you get to the seventh inning and eighth inning of the All-Star game, and it's not the big premier players you were hoping for. Well, Merrifield's a great second baseman. Very lucky for him to still be in Toronto after they replaced him uh, after Marcus Simeon left and signed the biggest deal of any second baseman in the history of the entirety of the MLB. Well, Merrifield's a great player. I apologize for the shot, but my point was made. All right, guys, prop bets. And uh, we'll touch on some of this stuff, get a final break in, and then close the show. Super Bowl prop bets. Gatorade, always a popular one. The best odds are orange, but yellow, lime, or green, and purple have even odds. Blue is up there. Red slash pink, a little down the list. You said you're a big fan of red. And then water clear, the lowest odds. So I guess part of this depends on what team wins because they're probably going to have different Gatorade on each side, you would think, but maybe... Are you confident in orange being the best odds? No, not at all. This is two teams that are both primarily red. I don't, last year I think it was either red or orange actually though. So orange is usually like the thought because it's different than the red and the green. That's like the normal go-to. I think in years past, it might've been like the Patriots against the Rams. I think it was like purple or something, or maybe it was like bright blue. That was an odd year, but normally it's like red, orange. It's also team preference. So, right. Yeah, it could be like they like the red or orange versus something here, or they mix something up, and that's like a, a fan favorite flavor. It's the thing a lot of people don't know is you can mix the Gatorades. There are uh, different combinations that you try throughout the season you like. So, like our favorite go-to is like the blue with the the yellow or the lemon lime, and it made like this almost Baja Blast tasting Gatorade that was incredible. But that was like a teal greenish, so that could really throw you off as far as mixes go. You're really breaking this down. I, hey, love football, love Gatorade. Sponsor me. So uh, looking at, yeah. just real quick, looking at the past Eagles Super Bowls, 
Looks like or not Eagles, sorry. Chiefs Super Bowls. It looks like both of them were orange. And there you go. So I think that's why. Makes perfect sense. The odds are what they are. I think it's red though. Gut feeling. Drake curse. What team apparel will Drake be wearing on Sunday? The Chiefs have the better odds at minus one seventy. Any chance Drake is in a Niners in some Niners garb? See, so here's where this gets interesting. You're gonna think this is insane. Philip, I don't know about you. OVO, which is Drake's brand, recently came out with a Super Bowl 58 jacket modeled by Joe Montana. Joe Montana, legendary quarterback, played for both teams. He has in the past been seen in some circles with 49ers players, but obviously he's a huge Mahomes fan also. So I think, given his ideals, he's going to go the Bay Area side and wear the 49ers garb. Because the Chiefs don't have an OVO-themed jacket like the 49ers do. So I think he wears a 49ers OVO jacket. Here, here's here's what I think. Whatever one's going to make Vegas more money, they're going to pay him off to do it because all this crap's rigged. I'm not saying the game is, but this other stuff that you can bet on, they find it what, like, Vegas always wins. Atlantic City always wins. So it's probably going to be whatever's the minus money just solely because of the fact that they're all money-crazed jerks and don't actually want it to be fair. So... If it's minus money for the Chiefs, I'm going Chiefs. Yeah, that's the thing I never understand about this. What's stopping Drake from reading this? Just reading the odds and making a bunch of money. Or Taylor Swift, primary color of Taylor Swift's top at the Super Bowl, minus 500 for red. Obviously, that is the number one option. She's not sports gambling. White. She doesn't have that dog. No, but MGM could pay her off. This is true. White is second, black third, yellow. Fourth best odds, purple. Followed by silver slash gray, blue, and green. Could you imagine her in a green outfit? What do y'all think? I feel like if she just goes red, it's kind of boring. So I feel like she almost has to go something else. I could see silver, honestly. Plus eight, eight could, could plus eighteen hundred. Silver plus your name like written all over. Theme. It. Red sequins is is where my brain goes. Like yeah. the Vegas sequins that they always have. Yeah. Mm. How long would Taylor Swift be shown live on the broadcast? The total over under for seconds is 25 and a half. What do you think? Way over. Over. I said a minute I, and a I'm half. I'm surprised this is only a 25 and a half. And a half. But I yeah. guess you think about it, they probably show her, and it's usually like two to three seconds at a time. Well, here's the thing when it says live, if we reap, so like we were talking this before the show, if Travis scores, they show her. And then going to break, they show the replay of her that reaction that they already showed. Does that not count? And is she in the suite with. <sighs> yeah, Mahomes? I don't know. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I don't know if that counts. Because the, and that's what's been frustrating me about this whole thing. I don't have a problem with them showing her quick when he scores. Oh boy! But then when her re- the reaction, them going to break, they show a slow motion of what we just saw of her. Like show an eight year old kid who's never been on TV before, so he can go be the king of his third grade class for the next week. We don't need to see her twice. This is worse than the AJ McCarron thing and the Natty, and that was bad. AJ McCarron. See, I hear your take, and I know what you're saying, but this is also the same Philip Pilkington who was on TV because he was yelling at his family over a Packers interception that was overturned. So you speak yeah. from personal bias. I do, yeah. But yeah, and it, it was fun at school the next day to be the guy that everybody talked about. So like, let some eight-year-old kid be that. We, we've we all seen Taylor Swift on TV. I don't have a problem with them showing her. Beginning of the game, when he does something great, but when he catches a five-yard tight end pop pass, we don't need to see her. Come I, on. In any other game, I'd have your back. This is the Super Bowl. This people is are watching anyways. People game. are watching anyways. They're not going to yeah. turn it off if they don't no, see her. But this is the most watched game in the entire world. It needs to quit being an goes. entertainment factor. The, the product on the field needs to be entertainment. Scrap the halftime show. Make it 12 minutes. 
scrap the celebrities. I mean, show them quick at the beginning of the game. Look, this is the biggest business trip. Away from dude, this is the biggest <laughs> business trip ever. Most important business trip that any of these guys will ever have, and they are what matters. The product on the field. Get the halftime the way it's supposed to be. It's not fair to the players. It's it, the whole thing needs to quit being extravaganza. A sweet alone is two point five million dollars. You know what? And you can pay that if suite. you've got two point five million. But at the yeah. end of the day, so it's a business trip for these guys. They're the celebrities. The players are the celebrities. It needs to be about the players. Brock they they Purdy, are the product of the, the field. Rock, Adele, Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey. He he's married to Miss Universe. All right, we, we need a, a break. We let's need get a break. a break in. We'll come back. We'll discuss Usher and uh, any halftime bets. We'll be right back. Hoist the colors. Climb aboard as we set sail and hoist the colors. Armageddon. Back to the show with Steve and I go on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back in. We got a few minutes left. Usher is the halftime performance. And so I'm 31. Philip, remind me again, 20. 25. If you're willing to share it. 22. Yeah, 22. So Usher, yeah, I came out in 2004. I was in like middle school. It was the absolute jam. So like every time it comes on at a wedding or something, everybody my age goes crazy. Do y'all relate to that song at all? Yeah, that age? song still goes okay. crazy. Sixth grade sock hop. Yeah, that was like sixth grade right. middle school dance because it was like one of those that, you know, if you played a song too new, some kids knew it, some didn't, depending on what time the music they moved, listened to, more rap, more pop, but like that had like... Yeah, that was four or five years old. That was like turned into a classic already. Everybody knew it. DJ got us falling in love again. Yeah, scream. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I loved Usher. I still love Usher. Confessions Part Two for my boys in the locker room. Yeah. They love that little R and B one. They do. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty excited about Usher halftime. Uh, Canadian sports books have Alicia Keys minus five fifty as the favorite guest to potentially appear with Usher. What are the chances we get Ludacris and Little John? And yeah. If they put Little John on the Super Bowl <laughs> halftime show, I will eat my shoe on air next week. <laughs> That's gonna. I'm definitely gonna do that. I will. If they you gotta put be, you better Little go buy John, some Crocs. They're meant to be edible. I will eat my shoe on this stream if they bring out Little John. There's no shot in hell that they put Little John out there. I disagree. On the Super Bowl I, I think he's the most. Little John is at minus. Never ludicrous. Three thirty three. He's no third shot. Yeah. Uh, ludicrous minus two eighty six. Post Malone minus four forty. He's got the second best odds because he's doing America the Beautiful. Does he have a collab though with Usher? No, but he's a big enough name and yeah. he's, he's definitely big enough name. America the Beautiful. But normally it's like some kind of correlation. Like when it was Snoop and Mary J and. Um, Kendrick, like there was all like a, a run there, considering yeah. they were all from the area. Justin Timberlake didn't have one when it was Bruno and, and the great one with uh, Beyonce. Oh, first time Justin Timberlake had somebody, all right. Yeah, oh, Joe's yeah. too young to remember that. that Rihanna was, was last year. I don't think she had any guests. <laughs> Red Hot Chili Peppers. Will terrible. I Am and Nicki Minaj, two others that are listed as possible guests. All right, guys. Well, I am. Super Bowl Fifty Eight. We're almost there. Joe is at a fifty-eight. I'm at a five. Actually, I'm, no. up, I'm upgraded now. That's to right. Six point eight. The more we talk about, it, the more excited I'm getting. That's what I Phillips, do. Phillips, ten out of ten slash seven out of ten. I don't really know what that means, but I say excited. for Super Bowls, I'm <laughs> a seven out of ten, but I'm a ten out of ten on it. Okay. For I love day. football. All right, we got to get out of here. We'll see y'all Monday. We'll have Justin Wilcox in, in studio, and we'll talk with Cliff Goblin on Game Week for ECU baseball. See you then. This is.